HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's April 30th, 2013. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 in the East Village and the Good Beer Seal. Hey, we've got greatbrewers.com as our sponsor. Check them out. Learn more about beer and uh, good everything you want to know about beer. Goodbrewseal.com, our supporters. All right. Here we are, Heritage Radio Network. It's our, our favorite uh, nonprofit online radio network. Uh, you can be a member. There's a lot of special events and uh, special deals for, for members all the time. And hey... Uh, gosh, it's April and it's almost May, and I got some special guests. I got Annie. Li- I only know you as Annie likes beer. Uh, she's been on the show a few times. She's a certified cicerone. Hi, Jimmy. How are you? What's your real name, Ann? <laughs> Everyone calls me that. Uh, Ann Becerra, but Ann likes beer is pretty common. All right, and we've got that. a favorite guest, Alex Hall, who's like the Gotham imbiber, the cask guy of, of America. He's here. Hi, Jimmy. How are you? And what did you bring us? I brought us uh, three beers from Wandering Star, um, Thunderbolt IPA. As uh, a Burt's Disqualified Imperial Stout and our brand new spring summer seasonal catcher in the rye, a 5% rye pale ale. All right. And we've got a new guest, Kevin Heald from Malton Mold. It's a great uh, cheese and beer shop in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. How are you, Kevin? Great, Jimmy. Thanks for having me. And you know, the funny thing is, I was at the Craft Brewers Conference in D.C. last in March and I met your second cousin. What's his name? John Slater? John Slater. So he's a Colorado. A, a distributor, a beer distributor in Colorado. Yes, sir. All right. It's so funny how small this world of beer is, and it's so great that your name came up when we talked about New York. Yeah, that was neat. All right. So um, here we are. When I raise our glasses, we've got this uh, this little... So the beer you brought, Alex, is what? It's, uh, what are we drinking right now? This one here is the Wandering Star Thunderbolt, uh, 6% IPA, um, East Coast IPA, I should add, so... Don't expect your palate to be blown off by 150 IBUs of hops because we don't do that. Uh, it's a nice, nicely balanced um, India Pale Ale. The IBUs are up there, just about the right level, uh, without uh, going off the scale. 
Um, so, um, and this is a, a freshly filled growler, which I filled about an hour ago at DBA Brooklyn, straight from the beer engine. So this, this is actually a, a cask growler. All right. So in this show, we're going to try to cover uh, growlers and cheese and beer pairings because that's your specialty and Kevin from Malton Molds as well. So Kevin, tell us a little bit about your shop, Malton Mold, and what you're doing there with growlers and, and cheese and all that stuff. Great. We have uh, eight lines. Uh, on draft for growlers, uh, I've got your normal 64 and 32 ounce growler, but I also have 16 ounce growlers, which a few people are doing, but not too many. Um, and we're switching up kegs every time they kick, so we've got brand new stuff, you know, as soon as we can get it in. So what, what's the, you know, Alex too, and Ian, you know, what's the philosophy be, be, behind doing growlers? I don't really do growlers, and uh, the beer tastes great right now to me. Um, what, what are some of there must be some secrets or some techniques that that make a, a, a something you put in a growler better than other places? You know, you sell a lot of beer in growlers. What are your secrets, Kevin? Try and get the foam to go all the way out, and I cap right on top of it. Then, uh, as it recedes, all you've got is CO two in there. Air is what kills the uh, carbonation. So as long as you keep that thing sealed, it'll last. I've got one that went three weeks, only because I forgot about it on my uh, fire escape after a party. <laughs> Turned out just fine. But wow. I tell people up four Three to seven weeks. days. Wow. What was the style? That was a brown ale. Just a plain, basic brown ale. Wow. And it's, well, that's great. And then in terms of uh, beer and cheese pairing, so what, what cheese would you pair with this uh, cask IPA from Wandering Star? I brought a, it's called a Big John's Cajun Rub, and it's from the Beehive Cheese Company out in Utah. It's made by Mormons. Uh, they rub it with this crazy... New Orleans-style Cajun rub. Let's taste it. Come Let's on. Let's taste it. Yeah. <laughs> so what on. do you look for? I, I know you had a primer out there of, of what you look for when you do beer and food, beer and cheese pairings. You, I read something. It said big flavors go well together. So you have aged Gouda and Imperial Stout. Delicate cheeses go well with a Doppelbach or a Porter. I mean, is that you just have this one philosophy and you follow it, or you have a lot of – you make these choices every day? Actually, no. I um – Yes, I do like big flavors, so uh, I'm always going for some sort of contrast, um, whereas other people might like more of complementing flavors. I I don't know. For whatever reason, I want to get as big a flavor, combine them together, and just see what happens. This is mm. a spicy cheese. It is spicy. It's delicious, mm. though. You make this in-house? Oh, no, no, no. This is made out in Utah by Mormons. Oh. I love repeating that fact. I was listening Mormons to that, in Utah. They also make a <laughs> coffee cheese. They rub the rind with um, espresso beans, mm. which is interesting. If you know Mormons, they don't uh, drink, drink coffee. coffee. Right. So t- let's try another cheese, too. This is a, a beer cheese. I saw this at Smorgasburg a couple weeks ago in Williamsburg. Yeah, this is uh, brand new to the market. As far as I can tell, it's called Floyd Beer Cheese. It's by the guys who own Bell House and, and the bar called Floyd. Um, the one I brought is their spicy jalapeno. I've noticed a lot of uh, breweries are making a lot. Um, more spicy beers, jalapeno beers, habanero beers, chipotle beers. Ballast Point's been doing a lot of those. Um, kind of interesting. Probably be really good with this. Yeah, so you really do like these big flavors, Kevin. So this is something if I went to your shop in the Lower East Side, I could sample some cheese. And you do sampling. Oh yeah, we do sampling. Well? You know, we're not allowed to sample out the beer. I want to be very clear on that. But uh, we sample cheese. We sample salamis, crackers, breads. If you come and hit me at the right moment, I'll. Open up anything that's on my shelves and let you have a taste of it. All right. Well, I, I, I've run to you a lot. I know you hang out at Standings and some other good Bristol beer beer bars. You've been at Jimmy's number forty three. So it's great to have you on the show. We're, we're gonna. This is our first segment. We'll be here for uh, forty five minutes. 
And now, Alex, we got we got to grill you because you're a guy. You're the cask guy. The so cask beer mafia. Give us a pointer. <laughs> so you, you've got cask on tap. You're okay with putting cask ale in growlers? I'm totally okay with that. It's done all the time in the UK. Uh, however, you must take care of it, and you can't store it for any length of time. Uh, best drunk uh, the same day. Um, don't chill it down too much because you'll you'll um, you'll go flat, and you won't appreciate um, the nuances of the cask at cellar temperature. You've got to drink it at cellar temperature, basically, for the best effect. So, uh, fill up your growler um, and drink it the same night, or um, keep it as close to cellar temperature as possible. Uh, for instance, like fill, fill a sink with cold water, put it in there, not the fridge, because uh, it'll probably be too cold in the fridge if you must keep it the next day. So, so it's, it's there to be drunk fresh, basically. That's, that's, that's what it's there for. So Cascale is really, it's a, it's a different thing than most of us drink. Now, a few times that you've come to Jimmy's Number 43, and you haven't been completely happy with how I've served it. So what, <laughs> what pointers would you give me to, to, to ways to better serve my cascales because we only do it special occasions uh, you've got to blow through it quickly if you uh, haven't got any sort of protection um, as in a cast breather which is a device which puts CO2 into the headspace um, to stave off uh, oxygen in the air which, which stables the beer CO2 is inert it won't, it won't stable the beer um, so if you're just doing something on gravity that's exposed to oxygen and you also need to address the temperature. Um, drape wet towels o- over the cask, uh, not just one sitting on top as a, as a token gesture like some people do and think that's going to like solve everything. Uh, no, you've got to drape it as much as possible and make sure those towels uh, are always damp. Uh, if you feel them drying out, take them off immediately, soak them in cold water and put them back. All right. Do you guys have a cask program at Ginger Man? Here? We do, actually. We have a... Two rotating casks at all times, and then we're bringing back the Gravity Cask Wednesdays. Um, so we just have a different one every Wednesday. It kind of lasts two to three days. We're lucky enough to have the volume that we can go through them pretty quickly. I think you're... I haven't, I haven't been scolded by Alex yet, so I think we're doing a pretty good job. He's like well, a ninja when it comes to I feel to like that. about five years ago, <laughs> it, it was like if you had to have cask, and everybody wanted to try it, and I feel like it kind of... It went out of control. I feel like especially American brewers were just putting anything in. They were putting mm-hmm. in a... You know, an IPA or a double IPA. One time we had a thing where it was, it was uh, Otter Creek had an Imperial IPA on draft, and they wanted to have it in cask at the same time. And uh, I just felt like they weren't really representing what the, what the traditional English style was. Well, I, I actually don't mind that. I think that it's really interesting that people are taking sort of their own take on cask beer, as long as it's served, you know, correctly, unpasteurized, it's unfiltered, it's not forced carbonated. Um, I think it's interesting to see, you know, really fresh double IPA on cask is outstanding but yeah i know. agree with that um I, I definitely agree with that um so many people think it should be some uh low gravity bitter or mild and nothing else is suitable um no I, I disagree like if you think about it um ipa was invented in the 1800s in in england uh, and that was a strong hoppy beer um and uh, it would have been cast because kegs weren't invented back then um so um so it's only like the recent few decades um uh, since the First and Second World War, especially, which changed things, with beer coming down to uh, the average of 4 to 5% what it is nowadays. Um, so, no, think outside of, of, of those uh, guidelines because it's, it's just res- restrictive and it's, it's something that I don't believe in. Um, some styles will come out better on keg, but most will come out better on cask if, if they're 
if they're done correctly. Okay, but do you want to weigh in on? Do you do cask ales? At- I got lucky when I uh, first opened. I got a Bronx Mo- Pale Ale in a cask, and I was able to fill growlers. And I told my customers, "You got to take this home. You got to drink it right away." It was a gravity cask, or do you have a setup for that? No, it's just gravity. I was uh-huh. not set up at all. Nice. It was, it was pretty on the fly, as a matter of fact, and uh, very exciting. But it went really well, and my customers loved it. But they paid attention to what to what I told them. So, Alex, if, if you could redesign things, I know you, you, you've been part of the Wandering Star Brewery up in Massachusetts, and it's uh-huh. an English style brewery. But if, if you well, no, no, we do other styles as well. Yeah, we've seen Gary Wiss is a Belgian. We've done a German Bock. Uh, we do Ameri- we're drinking an American IPA right now. So, so it's. Uh, I'm I'm English. Uh, Chris Post that the brewery is English, um, but we don't just do English beers. You know what though? I think people get, tend to just automatically, if it's not in your face and extreme and big, sort oh well, it's English. You know, if it's an IPA yeah. that's not like piercing your taste buds, it's well, it's English style. It's kind of a quick go-to. It's true. You know, it's piercing yeah. my taste buds. The not cheese that, it's that correct, Kevin, but, Kevin you know. brought us two spicy cheeses. I'm a spicy kind of guy. You like that, <laughs> but with, now I'm trying to get to somewhere with you, Alex, because we've we've talked a lot about casks and stuff. If you're going to design just a, a brewery to just make casks, like let's start in the beginning. This is 200 years ago. Well, it doesn't really need any design differences. It's it's all, it's all the same brew. Uh, you just got to uh, treat it differently um, uh, after it's fermented. Basically, you, you've got to stop the fermentation just before the end, so there's there's some uh, yeast um, still active in there. Um, and, and rack it off, uh, keep it warm, um, put some sort of priming in the cask. So it's just a different technique uh, when kegging, basically. That's, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't need any differences in design in the brewery. Um, and that, that shows because most breweries around here actually do casks. There's very few that haven't embraced it now. I think the biggest way to, also, you know, to uh, expand cask programs at breweries is to just educate customers. Is, you know, that's like if you could have the greatest cast program at a bar or at a brewery, and if it doesn't sell in three to four days and people don't understand what they're drinking, you're, you're losing a lot of beer. You're going to yeah. be tossing a lot of beer down the sink. So, you know, that's education what, that, is key, in my opinion, when it comes to cast beer. That, exactly. That's, that's why I like cast breathers. Um, a lot of people don't know what they are. Uh, but that's a device to keep cast beer fresher longer. And how does that work? Uh, you attach it to... Um, a CO2 bottle and a regulator set around 4 PSI, so very, very low. And uh, the cast breather is a demand valve, um, which just opens and shuts when there's a vacuum created. Um, and uh, on the other end of the breather, you attach a hose and a spigot into where the spiral peg would go. So in, in that hose, when, when there's a vacuum, that demand valve, the, the cast breather itself, will, will open briefly and, and squirt a little bit of CO2 in, just a little bit, so it won't get in the beer, but it will form a blanket over the top of, of the beer um, to keep it away from the oxygen in the atmosphere. Hmm. Well, I like I like the cast that you poured for us in the growler. Cheers, thanks. And it goes really well with the, with the spicy cheese. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> All right. Hey, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Someone Like You by Pamela Royal on the Heritage Radio Network.org.
Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We have a great lineup tonight. We've got Anne Likes Beer and Bursera. Bursera. I never. I only know you as Anne, Annie Likes Beer. That's Alex okay. Hall, Wine Star Brewery, Cask Expert. Kevin Hill, Malt and Mold. It's a great lineup here. And uh, we, we tasted some uh, some cheeses. You brought two spicy cheeses. And uh, what, what's your philosophy behind that? It's, it's, you like extreme pairings? What's the deal, Kevin? I do like extreme pairings, but um, I knew I was bringing some... Uh, I was going to bring some big beers as well, and I just I wanted something that would hold up to the beer and kind of stand on its own as well. Um, I don't like either part of the pairing to get lost. Now, when somebody comes in and asks me for a specific of style of cheese... He's pointing a knife at me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> He's cutting cheese. Like, don't <laughs> uh, if they ask for a specific style of cheese or beer that's mild, then I know which way to go on the other end, and I can go one direction or the other. But when they give me, I like an IPA, an imperial IPA, then i got to make a choice. Do I go a mild cheese and just let the beer speak, or do I go big? I always go big. So what's the next cheese? We have uh, a Gouda. It's an American Gouda called uh, Mariecki Premium. It's from the Holland Family Cheese out in Wisconsin. All right. I believe it just won an award in the American Cheese uh, Championship last year. And Alex, uh, what's the next beer you poured for us? Uh, this is our brand new one. Uh, it's called Catcher in the Rye. Um, and this is our spring-summer beer. Um, we had USSR Ultimate Summer Session Rye last year. Uh, we're not doing that. We've got this one this year. It's a fairly similar recipe, but a little bit stronger. That was 4.4 last year. This one is 5%. Whoa. And this one's a, a little bit paler. So uh, so a nice rye uh, pale ale. I don't, I don't know whether to call it a session pale ale or not. It's 5% is kind of straggling the, the lines, whether it's a session beer or not. But, uh, Let's have a little not, to- top off on that one. I like right. that one. And Ann, what do you think of this pairing? So, Anne, let Anne have some of the cheese and because uh, you, so you're a certified cicerone, Anne, right? Yeah, this is a part of the uh, the test is the food and beer pairings. It's also a really fun part of my job. Thanks. Thank you. So, when you when you how long did you have to study to to take to pass the certified cicerone? Because there's um, not too many in New York, are there? You know, it's it wasn't a lot. It's just part of the job every day. You know, you're tasting things, you're traveling, you're talking to people, you're you know, drinking beers, and it just kind of became part of the day-to-day thing. So I was studying without realizing I was studying, and when I decided to take the test, I don't know, probably about a good two weeks of intense book studying, and then the rest is just on the job, sort of learn as you go. Tough gig, right? Tough no, gig. it's good. So it's American <laughs> Gouda with uh, the Wandering Star mm. Rye. Oh, this is a good match, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now it brings into our, we have a, a guest who's called in. Um, he's from Philly. Steve Wildy. Steve, hey guys, how are you? How you doing? Great, man. Hi, Steve. So uh, tell Wonder us about what you've done. Them. How was the Philly Beer Week? Oh, it's coming up. We're uh, starting Philly Beer Week. Well, first of all, I wonder how I got left out on this whole beer and cheese thing. I'm sitting in my <laughs> office like a loser drinking water. Next time you have to have take the Chinatown. You know, the, there's a $15 Chinatown bus from Philly to New York. <laughs> it takes about two hours. All right, cool. Next time. All right. The so Philly Beer some. Week is coming up. We got uh, last week of May into the first week of June. It's uh, one of the nation's biggest beer events, and we're thrilled to be involved with it at Alspina. All right. So I'm how did you get started? You, you have a good story. You're a really interesting guy. Um, you went to a, the Drexel University, and uh, so how long have you been doing this? It's like hospitality management. You were a GM, but you've really been involved with uh, beverages. Um, so just tell us about your background. Yeah, you got it. So I work for a restaurant group in Philly called the Vetri Family. I have done so for about seven years. But I was born and raised in Northern Ireland, moved out to the States in 92, uh, 
went to school for international studies and actually took a little sojourn to do an internship with the European Parliament in Brussels and fell in love with beer through like 2000, 2001 and came back and started working in restaurants and just trying to work my way through the restaurant world. Wound up with these guys at Vetri, and they're all Italian-focused, so I've been lucky enough to work with uh, serious Italian wine lists and Italian cocktail programs and things like that. But beer was always one of my first loves, so we opened up this Italian beer bar about a year ago called Alispina. We have uh, 20 taps. We do a big focus on local, Italian, international, about 100 bottle lists, a couple casks as well. Oh, do you, do you find a lot of Italian breweries are making cask beer? Not a ton. We got a couple in. Last time we got Italian cask was probably about nine months ago. The guys from Baladin, of course, who are involved in <laughs> awesome. Italy up in New York mm-hmm. uh, with Sam Calagione and those guys. Uh, we got a strong dark from them, and I believe a chestnut ale from them. Oh, great! But was, that's the yeah. only thing we've ever seen. There's there's very little that comes through in the Italian wise in uh, in cask, and actually very little that comes through in draft. We're lucky to get drips and drafts here and there, but we usually have about five or six out of the twenty taps are Italian. All right. How's that going? It's, I know they're a going little great. pricey. People are kind of responding well to that in Philly. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. Philly has such an educated beer market. You know, mm-hmm. anybody who drops in here knows all about beer. They're upset if we don't have Russian River on tap. You know, <laughs> We're just jealous you get Russian see, River. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they want to see the geekiest, craziest things, which is amazing. It's an incredible opportunity for us to, to really connect with those people. But I find that, you know, no matter how intense people are about beer and, you know, how geeky they get, the Italian stuff is still really, really uncharted territory. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're lucky there as well that, you know, there are very few places, I think, that, that have a big focus on Italian beer. Great. All right, man. Hey, so tell us some of the highlights of Philly Beer Week that are coming up and what, what you're oh, doing cool. at Alaspina. Yeah, so we got some crazy stuff planned. So we do have one Italian brewer visiting, uh, a gentleman of the, by the name of Jacopo Lenci of Bruton in Tuscany, who's a good friend and one of the most interesting guys in the beer world. He's a, a hardcore punk enthusiast. Very cool guy. And actually, yeah, he's amazing. And he uh, actually ran a restaurant and punk venue in Tuscany for the longest time and started brewing beer out of that venue and eventually kind of outgrew the concert space. So he stopped hosting, you know, the Descendants and Sepultura and started just <laughs> focusing on the, the beer thing instead. So he's hanging out with us. We're doing a, a late night hardcore punk happy hour. What's Saturday, the date on that? June 1st. June 1st? Sorry. June 1st, Saturday night, yeah. He'll be here hanging late night. We'll be cranking some misfits. I will see you there. Uh, yes, right. we're definitely <laughs> yeah, coming down. down. We'll have all you guys in. Yeah. It'll be amazing. Philly Beer um, Week at, at Alaspina. Hey, so we're, yeah. we're, you know, we're doing with beer and cheese pairings and beer and food pairings. What, do you do any special uh, programs at Alaspina? Like, yeah, absolutely. Actually, one of our Beer Week events is we're uh, really fortunate to have DeBruno Brothers as our local uh, fromagier, our cheese supplier. And they have one of, one of, I think, the most exciting selections around. And so we're doing a little event with them where they're going to pair up with Beers from Yards, who's one of our favorite local brewers. Um, that's going to be Friday, June 7th in the afternoon. But usually we try to have uh, a beer pairing that we'll suggest one day a week. We'll do like a Thursday night beer pairing special with the cheese, and we'll get some things in locally, or we'll you know, get just a different French cheese, Belgian cheese, whatever. And try to set it up as just like a little nightly pairing, you know, five bucks for a sip of beer alongside a cheese that we really like. Great. And what about um, for Beer Week? Do you have any uh, special guests coming in? Any special brewers or anything? Yeah, we have a bunch. So uh, Christian De Benedetti is one of our favorite authors. Oh, he's great. The uh, Great American Ale Trail is coming down to hang out, and we're doing a. Uh, so Philly has this big uh, Italian American heritage to it. I don't know if you guys know, like South Philly. 
in the Italian market. You mean like mm-hmm. the movie Rocky? <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know. You know that was if coming. You've ever heard of a little movie named Rocky? Uh, <laughs> but uh, Christine's going to come hang out with us, and we're going to do a Sunday night Sunday supper with uh, a very special guest chef, Sal Vetri. So uh, Mark Vetri is the chef owner of all four restaurants, and his dad Sal is about as old school South Philly Italian as you as you get. I think he might be like an extra in Rocky somewhere. Even uh, <laughs> going to come do like a big. Uh, Red sauce dinner, lots of spaghetti, meatballs. Christian's going to be there signing books and pairing up uh, three beers from Italian-American brewers. Italian-American brewers? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Who are you, uh, what breweries are you looking at? We're going to have some from Russian River, Mm -hmm. uh, from Vinny Gilerzo. We're going to have some from Sam Caligione, Dogfish Head. And one TBA, I think it's going to be Scott Vaccaro. Captain Lawrence, I was just going to say. All right. We've got our New York people in there, too. Awesome. I'm Jimmy Carboni. (laughs) (laughs) I don't make beer. You don't want my beer. I'm too lazy. But hey, okay. One last thing. Okay, we're gonna make this tough on you. Okay, so right now we're we're pairing uh, some beers and cheese. So give us like four of your favorite like beer and food pairings that you might offer in a dinner or at the bar in Philly. Yeah, absolutely. So probably my favorite beer and cheese pairing I've ever had. I was I was turned on to it by a general manager from DeBruno Brothers 9th Street, which is an amazing story you guys should check out if you get down here. But uh, Hunter Fike, the GM there, turned me on to Pecorino al Tartufo, mm. a truffled sheep's milk cheese from Emilia Romagna, Italy, paired with Saison Dupont. And it was probably one of the most defining food pairings I've ever had for me where um, – like Kevin was saying, that kind of intense on intense thing, I think, is when you can take the greatest risks with a pairing. And sometimes it's a total failure. You know, have two things that are really in your face, really big flavor profile. Sometimes they just fight with each other and both die off. This is one of those really rare occasions where both things are firing at all cylinders, really lit up every single uh, you know flavor sensor that you have. The truffle, the spice from Saison DuPont, that slight funk. So yeah, that might be my favorite beer and cheese pairing I've ever had. Um, we have another little restaurant called Vetri that's actually the flagship uh, Italian restaurant of the four, and that's a tiny tasting menu-driven restaurant, about 30 seats. We do all uh, just seven, eight-course tasting menus, and we do a beer pairing down there as well. So that's one that we've had a lot of fun with, doing uh, an amazing amount of beer pairings, actually, alongside wine pairings on any given night. And uh, things that I really like over there, we do uh, a barley wine alongside a uh, whole roasted capretto. <laughs> so we do this slow roasted, uh, spit roasted goat. So it's really kind of barbecue style, smoky, crispy, fatty, over polenta, and paired with a big, intense barley wine. And actually, there's an Italian one from an Abruzzese producer, Almond 22, that incorporates some um, chestnut honey and citrus peel. And that's that big, smoky, rich. And, and that sounds good, doesn't it? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm, like, Take drooling that. as you're you talking to me. You guys enjoy your beer and cheese. I'm going to talk <laughs> yeah, about exactly. my over here. <laughs> the cheese was sounding really great until you start talking about polenta. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, listen, Steve, guess what? We're just like, too hungry now. So hang on. <laughs> I'm going to ask Kevin. So, Kevin, you jump in now. So you must have uh, a favorite beer and cheese pairing. No, saying. all I'm going to say is that when we do the uh, truffle cheese and saison de pomp pairing, we're going to name it after you. We're going to put that up on the menu, right. malt mold. I'm going to somehow package it together. I'm going to make my customers buy that pairing. 
and that's going to awesome. be it. We're just going to name it after you. You know, yes. it's funny. I have awesome. to tell you, sorry, Jimmy, to interrupt, but um, at DuPont Brewery, the brewmaster, his wife, does all the, is the cheesemonger for that whole area of Belgium. And so you go to DuPont Brewery, and he's over there with the beers, and he's this genius, brewing genius, and then his wife is in with the curds, and, this, and it's just the most perfect pairing you can imagine. I'm sure, you know, a truffle cheese gets in there once or twice because that is, just sounds divine. It's funny. I thought I had a great idea until you just told me that story. And now we're, <laughs> we're shutting Malt Mold down, and uh, okay. we're going to go and uh, create a brewery and uh, cheese making. Does your okay, Kevin? Okay, do you want to have a brewery one day? No, I, I actually tried to brew beer in my kitchen, you know, twenty years ago, and it was miserable. Uh, I, people I think, ask me all the time when they come I in, they see the Malt Mold uh, growlers, and like, oh, you brew your own beer. No, no, no. I, I've tried to brew my own I have a feeling that malt and mead must be... Malt and mold, sorry. Malt and mead. You <laughs> might be the probably the perfect uh, beer and cheese store that, that I've ever heard of. And I can't wait to come down and try it out. All yeah, right. you got to come down. And uh, Steve, thanks so much for coming on, buddy. Um, the other thing is you don't have an Irish accent. We were expecting an Irish accent. That's why we brought you on today. So. You know, my wife, my <laughs> wife makes fun of me all the time for that. She says I'd be much, a much more handsome gentleman if I had a little bit of my Northern Irish accent left. But, you know, I, I left it at home. Well, here's something that's going to trump Philly Beer Week. We've got Alex Hall. He's, he's going to tell us about his new festival, or its old festival in England. What's it called, Alex? Here's the, here's the English accent that we love. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. What accent? <laughs> okay, um... I'm a co-founder of um, a cast beer and music festival. We call it Glastonwick. Uh, this is going to be the 18th year this year. Um, I co-founded it back in '96 with a friend of mine who's a, a professional musician and poet. Um, uh, so basically what we've got here is a 50-50 meld um, s- straight down in the middle, like, in, like thrust together in the same room of um, a traditional music festival with like independent bands and radical poets, uh, etc. And um, a campaign for real ale style beer festival, um, like all thrust together in the same room. And well, that is one hell of <laughs> one hell of a, um, uh, a niche basically that we created. And we, we founded that 18 years ago. Um, basically what happened, I was working behind the bar of uh, a brew pub called the Evening Star in Brighton, England. Uh, now the brewery tap for Dark Star, right? but back then it was just a little brewery in the cellar. Um, and it was like a slow afternoon, and my friend, Attila the stockbroker, walked in um, gagging for a beer after just coming off a, a tour in um, multiple venues where all there was to drink was crappy, mass-produced, fizzy um, Nats piss, as he put it. Um, is stockbroker a nickname for something, or is he? <laughs> uh, like, what's how many stockbrokers go on tour? Now that's another story. Uh, when he was, um, well, hold oh, on, that's okay. No, that's yeah, right. yeah. I'll, I'll, I just was I'll, checking. I'll, 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 if it's done, I'll tell you later. Oh, good. Alex, so, Steve, that's a, that's <laughs> a hint of a, a real yeah. English accent. There, but <laughs> hold on one second. We're taking a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio.
You're listening to DD by Pamela Royal on the Heritage Radio Network.org. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're out here at Roberta's in Bushwick in Brooklyn, New York. Having a great time with Ann Likes Beer, Alex Hall, Kevin Heald, and... Uh, Kevin, what did you just taste us on? We've got uh, Barrier Beer here. What is? Which one is this? This is the uh, Beach Street Wheat. It's a Belgian-style wheat beer. And what did you pair that with? Uh, it's not really a pairing. I think it's working. But, I think it's uh, working, too. I was thinking it's accidental. thought I'd serve it up. This is Charlito's Cucina uh, Salami, and this is their Trufa Seca. So there's little hints of uh, truffle mushroom in that. And where is this from? You know, he's out of Long Island City, so he's a local guy, and he was producing locally until he got too big, and now uh, for USDA purposes, he's in St. Louis, but I believe he's working on bringing it back home. Um, you know, he's committed to this territory. So, so on the air, I've I've, uh, I've tried to talk while I eat pizza. It doesn't work. <laughs> Earlier t- this whole show, I was I was eating cheese, and it worked. Can't eat the salami and talk at the same time. But, Ann, you've been to a lot of places. Hazard. Yeah, right? You've been to a lot of places. You, you're hanging out at Saison du Pont. And you know yeah. all these people. Tell us a few of the other breweries that you've been to because you're really an insider in the beer world. Yeah, I, re- I think it's really important. I think for me, it's obviously I love beer and the flavors and everything is great about it. But I think, you know, something about the connection to where it comes from is really important for me. Uh, the culture of a place, you know, going to a place like Saison DuPont, which is a generational, you know, brewmaster. And it's it's been there forever. And, I, you know, I'm touring and I'm walking around and I see the, you know, the copper tins where, or, you know, the big where they would hide from the Nazis when they were collecting all the copper and how they used to fire up the... Mo- I mean, it's just... It's something about it. When I drink a Saison DuPont, perfect example, it's like I feel like I'm transported to Belgium. Um, I just got back from Colorado. We went to hang out with the guys at Oscar Blues and Avery and Left Hand and, you know, to be there in the day and walk around and go to Rocky Mountain National Park and be in the mountains and then go have a great fresh dale. It just, it really kind of brings it all home and you see where it comes from. And I just think that's a really cool element to craft beer culture. So you're, you're an industry professional. Mm-hmm. You work at the Ginger Man. You're mm-hmm. a certified Cicerone. Mm-hmm. You're a recognized expert in all things craft beer. Uh, kind of. Okay. <laughs> when you go to these these places, do, you, do they fly you out? Do you get paid? No. I, this you, is, a, this is something. Vacations? Listen, this is something when I, you know, decided to turn my hobby into my job so you know i'm out there yes great granted everyone's so cool i mean they would be cool to anyone i think that's one of the things that drew me to this industry is if you know if i send a customer to oh i'm going to you know california oh go say hi to lagunitas they're they're great they will treat them like family the same way they treat me that way you know i just think it's a really cool industry and i love to go visit and see where these beers come from and see the backstory behind it i think it's a a great industry not only for industry and american industry but a lot of the green efforts and the charitable efforts, I just think, from a business point of view as well, I think it's a really cool um, something to emulate. And I think, you know, they're setting a good example for American business. And so you, you know Alex Hall, right? Oh, from yeah. Before. So what, what do you think about Alex Hall? I mean, he's the, the cask pioneer. <laughs> I, you call him pioneer. I call him a, a, a mafia, a craft beer, a cask beer <laughs> mafia. I think he's awesome. I think it's really great. I think, you know, a lot of times, especially now, you have these big companies masquerading as craft and there's it's, everyone's jumping on the bandwagon everyone's trying to k- kind of get a piece and i think to have someone who's so genuinely passionate about you know traditional styles and something like cask beer is great you know when he shows up and he orders he always what do you have in cask first question you know what's going cask okay here you know, and i'm like excited to give it to him like taste it it's fresh you're gonna love it like i know that he's not gonna you know that he's gonna enjoy it and i think it's really cool i think it's nice to have people check other people once in a while so we don't get too crazy or 
you know, I think it's awesome. I do make a joke, like, you know, you handle your cast wrong, he's going to jump out of a potted plant somewhere and, and yell at you. <laughs> but I think, it's, uh, well I think it's good for the industry, personally. I think it's awesome. Right. You know, and you were talking about your festival in Glastonbury. Glastonbury, Glastonbury yes. It's a there's play, really it's nothing, a play like, on there's nothing like that in America. There's not really a true Casco festival here. Uh, well, I'm, I'm trying to. Uh, I, I introduced basically myself the the concept of a a small cast festival in a bar uh, ten years ago at the Brazen Head in Brooklyn. Um, now I do them at uh, DBA um, Brooklyn in, in, in Williamsburg. Um, as uh, basically like um, Brazen Head needed the, the space at the back um, rather than have it um, like just like. Uh, have, have, have basically have a fridge there uh, that's only going to be used three times a year. So it, it quite kind of like didn't work out there ultimately. Um, but now I'm doing them at um, probably twice a year. Um, well, only once because of Sandy in the last year, but uh, in theory, in theory, twice a year. Uh, oh, no, November. What a bitch. And, yeah, yeah. Cheers. <laughs> yeah, cheers. Then. Yeah. So um, probably November the next one, and then probably for next year's craft beer week. So that's that's DBA Brooklyn, one one three North Seventh in Williamsburg. And what about the one in England? Uh, uh, yeah, Glastonbury. Yeah, sorry, oh, I ran out of time in the last segment. Um, yeah, that's going to get. Can uh, you say the name of that festival again? Glastonwick. I love that. Glastonwick. Yes. Yeah, oh. So it's a play. On, it's a play on, on the Glastonbury Music Festival. Uh, we we start, we founded it in a suburb of Brighton called Southwick. So Glastonbury and Southwick shortened to Glastonwick. <laughs> so it stuck. Um, but now we move. We're now on a on a farm in the countryside. Um, and we've got much more space. So eighty eighty six casks through the weekend. Wow! Um, and this is a, the same weekend that um, um, this other event we discussed earlier. Thirty um, first of May through second of June. Do you so, guys go through all those? Ca- I mean, what? Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, yes, you? yeah. And we, See, we there you go. It goes back to the education because you know, yeah, we, we have spares. We have spares lined up under the stillage. So if we, we'll put them Great. up the day before if we think we're going to need them. Um, so yeah, and um, yeah, it's that's one one big cast fest uh, coupled with um, one heck of a, an independent music festival, all thrust together in the same room. Kevin, yeah. Wait, Sorry, Kevin. Yeah. So when you were doing a uh, brazen head, how many casts did you have then? Uh, we were very limited with space, so we had to rotate. So it was eleven at any one time. Right. Okay. And, and some of them had to be total. Help. Yeah. Because um, I remember getting there at the end. Yeah, I mean, this was it, in the early days. And they from, were all gone. It varied from around eighteen to around thirty, depending okay, on right. how well advertised it was. Sometimes, um, um, like people like Time Out would pick up on it. Sometimes they wouldn't. So uh, we just didn't really didn't know how many people would get um, get to see like what uh, that it was happening. Great, and then so and you were saying that he said he went through eighty six casks in, in Glassenwick. Yeah. And you mentioned, what did you say, the American Beer Fest? Well, no, I just think that, you know, I think we're getting there little by little. I know that there's a, some people that are really, you know, putting, Patrick does a good cast fest. You know, it's coming yearly. And exactly, yeah. It's starting yes. to, you know, people are starting to kind of get it a little more. But it's still, at the end of the night, there tends to be, okay, well, we have all this cast, we're not going to be able yeah. to use it. So you either give it to a bar for the next day and hopefully it runs out or, yeah. you know. But that's cool. Let me ask you, don't lie. Do you ever just sneak in? A super highly carbonated cold American IPA in your backpack. Absolutely not. Get Absolutely out not. Of here. Absolutely not. No, <laughs> just, no, no. Just to no. cleanse the palate. Well, let's say what what beers what, what beers do you like, Ann? Well, I mean, I. I know you like everything. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I think one of the things I like the most about beer is there's a time and a place for everything, and it kind of can hit any mood or strike any fancy, you know, at at any given time. But 
I love cast beers. I think a fresh cast beer is nothing better. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, I'll go to cast festivals and I think it's fantastic. But by hour two, I'm like, all right, just for just one. Just give me a little bit of something carbonated just to keep it going. But, you know, I get obviously I think I'm, no, they, 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 <laughs> I'm not are, as the traditionalist as. as no, they, these, these are naturally carbonated. So um, anything that's flat will get taken off oh, and, not, and sent yeah, back. No, I, yeah, yeah, I don't mean yeah. it like that. I just, you know, you know, you know you're drinking you know. for, yeah. for oh, quite a long stretch of time. And every once in a while, it's like, oh, I'll just have one off the dress. Okay, okay. And, and then I'll go come, back to the cask. Come, you know? <laughs> jump, jump on a plane, come to Glastonwick, and I think you'll be impressed. There you go. How about I sneak in your backpack? What I meant to say is, Anne, you know, you're, everybody wants you to be at all their festivals, so we should do a Kickstarter or something so you could go to all these festivals. There you go. Wouldn't that be fun? Uh, yeah. yeah. You want to get on that, Jimmy? See, now I just got her attention. So, all <laughs> there right. you go. Okay, Alex, Glastonwick. You, I still don't know, but Glastonbury, England. Well, uh, like, Glastonbury. What, okay, you have 86 casts. Just uh-huh. name some of the breweries. That, that provide casts for this festival. Well, we're, we're sponsored by Dark Star, who I used to work for, um, which was um, the fledgling brewery in the Evening Star when, when it was founded. Um, now it's, now it's, it's uh, on a 45-barrel plant uh, about, about 15 miles away. Um, um, don't get me... It's, it's not in Glastonbury. It's just outside of Brighton. It's just the name that's a play on Glastonbury. Um, to just bear that in mind. Um, yeah, so... Um, yeah, uh, 86 casts. Yeah, I can so do that. So besides, what are the other breweries besides Dark Star? Name uh, like two. Um, uh, most definitely uh, Williams Brothers. My, my friend Bruce Williams always comes up with some interesting stuff up in Scotland. Um, uh, definitely uh, Bartram's, which is a small brewery uh, in East Anglia. Um, uh, they come up with some wacky stuff and a lot of one-offs um, and totally share the same politics as me and Attila. Do any uh, American breweries send out casts to you guys? Uh, I had Brooklyn Brewery last year, but oh, I'm, makes, not, yeah. I'm not going to get any American stuff this year because my, my casts have only just come back from last year. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. it, it takes a year for the empties to come back. Um, well, it shouldn't do, but that, that was uh, my planning just went wrong. Uh, that's another story. How do you think a, a big, like crazy, you know, Imperial IPA or something from the States would do at that festival? Uh, it, it did very well. I had Brooklyn Blast last year. Oh, the Blast? Yeah. Awesome. Okay. It, it was about nine pounds a pint, but uh, which is very expensive. It's like three times as, uh, what a normal pint goes for. But it all went in the end. Um, yes, it went down very well. Is that oh. how you do the fest? You actually sell it by pint? Yeah. You don't yeah. sell. You sell tasting cards or no? No, like it's um, it, it's totally different to the concept of uh, the generic American festival where you pay a lot of money up front to get in and then you you drink for free for however long uh here there's a nominal entrance fee which pays for the bands and the, the shuttle bus because this place this place is in the middle of nowhere you have i have to hire a shuttle bus uh to go back and forth all weekend uh so the entrance pays for the bands and that and everything else is pub prices so it's basically just one big pop-up pub uh, stroke festival all thrust into the same room for for the weekend Cool. Glastonbury. We should go there next year. I think you should. Yeah. So it's 31st of May to 2nd of June this year, if anybody wants to jump on a plane. I'll be in Philly at the punk rock show. Uh, <laughs> I'm just oh. oh, yeah. And Philly, Philly I mean, Beer Week's coming you know. up, too. That's right. So, Anne, um, any favorite beer and cheese or beer and food pairings that, that, that you have on the top of your head? Off the top of my head. Um, from your Cicerone test. <laughs> <laughs> Which was like three years ago. Um was that the, was that the hardest test you ever took? 
No. No, it wasn't hard for you. I mean, no, it wasn't that it wasn't hard. I think that it's just, it's, you know, if you're in it every single day and that's kind of what your job is and that's what your day-to-day is, it, it's kind of fun. Do you think that more people in the beer industry, industry should be taking the Cicerone Um, I don't program? know that it's like, you know, the end result is why you did it. I mean, for me, it was things like draft systems and, and processes and, you know, things that I don't do on a day-to-day basis that I wanted to kind of get more of a handle on. And this gave me a definite date to, you know, study up on those things. Um, I think the amount that I studied gave me so much more. I mean, not that the t- I, I think the test is wonderful, but I think I really went to town on studying and gained a lot from just that process alone. Very awesome. cool. Yeah. And Kevin, anything else you want to say about the malt and mold? We're having our one-year anniversary this Saturday, December uh, May 4th. Congrats. From 3 to 6. Thank you. We're having a bluegrass band, Goose Island Tasting. Uh, I've got the... Um, Inside the store. Inside the store, we have the, the beer tasting. Everything else is happening outside. We're talking about a 300-square-foot space. Um, but I've, I have the Bourbon County Stout in-house right now for that tasting. Um, and then we're doing blowout. And earlier, you were stuff. on the phone making beer orders. I mean, do you... How I'm many getting times ready a week, How many times a week do you order beer? Uh, pretty much every day. You know, I've got a different... You know, I've got a lot of different people coming in specifically to uh, get a beer order from me. So I've got to manage them. I've got a very tiny so I'm going to Malton Mold tomorrow. I'm going to hang out with you. I'm going to try some cheeses and buy some beer. Oh, yeah. And we have a special guest that's been sitting through this whole thing. From our sponsor, GreatBrewers.com, we got uh, a woman from Union Beer, the local distributor. Mich- Michelle, tell us your full name because I don't even know your last name. Michelle Arizoza. Hey. And she's a buddy of, of all of us, and uh, thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> all right. A couple of things going on. Uh, coming to New York, it's a big deal. It's a, the Savoir craft beer festival um it's going to be in new york for the first time that's going to be awesome i would say guys check it out go to our site goodbrazil.com you can buy tickets um it's 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 definitely worthwhile and it's going to be in new york for the first time and in closing i'd like to thank our sponsors at greatbrews.com who've helped to bring this podcast to you tonight all right and thanks to everybody including who's here i don't know we had steve <laughs> we got ann alex kevin and michelle and thanks for joining me here i'm jimmy carboni thanks to our producers Jack Inslee and Brie O'Connor, our engineer, Joe Galarraga. Thanks for listening. All right. And we'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.